The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. And so there's the sense of someone saying, I've walked this path with you. It's biblical, as you know. And Larry, really, that was his when he was at his best of over coffee. He'd given up his professional counseling office at one point, but it was mentoring. I thought, that's what he's doing. He's just mentoring people. We're going to honor the late Dr. Larry Crabb with this conversation on First Person, Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. My guest is someone who knew Dr. Crabb well, Jim Cress. These weekly interviews are for the purpose of meeting people from all walks of life who are living their life to the glory and in the service of Jesus Christ. We've interviewed hundreds of guests, and their stories are available to you through our website and smartphone app. Go to firstpersoninterview.com to listen online or download our free app, First Person Interview, in your app store. Dr. Larry Crabb was a biblical Christian counselor who authored numerous books, including his last book, Waiting for Heaven. He died in late February 2021 after battling cancer for 23 years. Today's guest, a licensed professional counselor himself, Jim Cress, was trained by Larry Crabb and worked alongside him for several years. So we honor the life of Larry Crabb by remembering his ministry of helping people connect with God in very meaningful ways. Jim Cress and I spoke online. Wayne, it is an honor to be with you, and uh, I have to say, because I get to that someone I've looked up to who would be Wayne Shepherd in radio uh, for years, have somewhat of a moody connection with you, and then with Larry Crabb, he was a surrogate father, mentor, and uh, you knew Larry. I mean, there was yeah. nobody like him. Yeah. Why? Who, who was Dr. Larry Crabb? I think, Wayne, um, there, there was a man there, and this was my original uh, drawing toward this guy. I thought this guy was, you know, wrote all the books, but he would be honest, especially as I got to know him and spend a lot of time with him about what he called his interior world. He was not into a lot of pretense and he wrestled, he wrestled with the text of the word of God. He wrestled with, he was a brilliant psychiatrist, psychologist, I should say. And so this is not a lightweight when it came to the idea of a PhD in psychology, but he wrestled so deeply with uh, what the Word of God was saying, and as I said in a, a tribute to him, that he was not a uh, Groundhog Day movie kind of guy, just <laughs> lived the same day over and over, and he did not have a, uh, a shampoo bottle mentality of wash, rinse, and repeat. Some people get a kind of a sugar stick thing where they mm-hmm. say, that's my thing, and I just keep saying the thing over and over, or as many did, and, and I've been humbly stated part of the Christian counseling movement in many ways, both in radio and otherwise for years, People would say what they want to say. They would be psychiatrically or psychologically correct, and they would get post-it notes, I think, and kind of stick post-it notes of the Bible all over it and call <laughs> it, it was biblical counseling. Larry uh, wasn't like that no, at all. No, he wasn't. No, not at all. And I have to admit, it was intimidating interviewing Larry because you had to ask questions that were deeper than normal. <laughs> and when he answered, you felt like your soul was being uh, laid bare. You know what I mean? Totally. And I tell you, he did something to me. And I've never asked this of other people, you, Andrea Fabry, others who would be in there and Neil Lustria, people who have been around uh, in, in the radio part of, of interviewing Larry. But he and I did a show, so funny, because it was in the same time slot eventually as that Minrith Meyer Clinic and then Midday Connection. It was, we called it Conversations That Matter. And we were on a smattering of stations around the country. 
And we did it at 12 noon uh, central, one o'clock Eastern. It was funny. We did that show at that same time. And he would turn, no one ever did this. He said, I don't want all the scripted stuff. It would be like dropping a microphone. Really, it's what you and I've done today. Drop a microphone in the middle of a real conversation. I'll never forget the first time he did this. He turned it on me <laughs> right in the middle and said, you're the interviewer. You're good at this. You can do the controls and all that and talk well. But what's going on really in your interior world, what he called the red dot. Mm -hmm. The red dot said you are here. But it threw me off. I had never had a guest turn and start asking me questions that were deeper yeah not shallow yeah yeah it was my privilege to uh talk to larry several times but also to sit in on conversations he had between himself and michael card oh yeah and of course michael is a guy who likes to ask the deeper questions as well and i was just like mm -hmm. a fly on the wall with these two men just bet. you know uh bouncing back and forth between them trying to keep up but uh, mm -hmm. it, it was amazing well before we talk more about the life and the mind and i'm so glad that you mentioned the commitment to the word of god that larry had before we talk more about that l let me learn about you you are a licensed counselor yourself uh mm -hmm. in in many ways you were trained by larry for a time were you not was yeah i'm a licensed uh, professional counselor in one state another state here in north carolina they call a licensed clinical mental health counselor so you know that 50 cents will buy you a cup of coffee at uh, <laughs> the you know gas station but I'm, I'm, i've done the work and and that's part of what i do sitting on the front lines of people lo people's lives having these conversations that matter and directly mentored i mean he was the number one influence in my life. My wife and I spent eight years in Dallas, Texas, when I was going through Dallas Seminary with a biblical professional counselor who was trained under both Larry Crabb and Dan Allender. So I was discipled in kind of Larry's model, so to speak, for eight years, then went and got my, after seminary, went and got my master's in counseling and traveled with Larry for at least four years. We put on weekend conferences uh, and emceed them, actually led worship for them. That's my background is church music also. But then meaningful conversations, many over cups of coffee, the radio show he and I did together, and he really discipled me in the art of, of really having soul care conversations. Yeah, the clinical was respected, but it was really about going to the heart of the matter, which is always a matter of the heart. Yeah. So how long have you been in private practice yourself, Jim? I've been uh, in private practice since 2001, Denver, Colorado, that I moved to North Carolina about 15, 16 years ago, and I do some other work. There's a place called Onsite Workshops where I lead groups of people, speak for the American Association of Christian Counselors, which Larry was the spiritual director for years, and uh, just enjoy. You know, I left in 2014 three hours of national call-in radio a day, and you know how that radio is. Look, <laughs> let me tell you, it's in your blood. Yeah, I've heard that. And well, terribly so. And then it, the Lord gave me this insight, and it's really true. It brought me to just a choked up feeling in my throat. And I said, I'm still, what did I like most? Interviewing people. The old Christian radio DJ days where you're spinning the right, those were fun, but interviewing people. And man, it chills came over me, Wayne. And I said, I'm just, I'm just doing a small little radio broadcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm just sitting here interviewing people. And that's what Larry mentored so well. He could draw stuff out of people. And I'm like, some people literally nicknamed him back in the day, Zorro, students of his. He's like, how do you see this? I remember John Piper saying one time, he said, I, I can't figure this guy out. I don't understand how this guy, Larry Crabb, sees so deeply into people. Hmm. And that was his gift, man. He saw people. Yeah. Well, Larry passed away in February of this year. Really, he, he even wrote a book about longing for heaven. Yeah. So, I mean, we have to rejoice that he's with the Lord. Absolute, That's right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. what, what did Larry Crabb say that no one else was saying? 
I think two things that come to mind. One, he was, he had this little simple thing of the red dot. And it is very simple. You go to the director of the ball again, the, the red dot says you are here. He would sit if Jim and Wayne were having a conversation. He mentored me so much in this. He would say, pay attention. He'd say, pay attention in a radio interview like this one. What's going on, Jim, in your internal world, really? And what do you think might be going on in Wayne's internal world? Like, what might he really be struggling with? Obviously, we're not going to get on radio and tell all of our <laughs> deepest, inmost no, things. No, not, not today, with. anyway, Jim. No. Not today, not on this broadcast. <laughs> but he would say, pay attention to that. Uh, and, and you know, you and I both, both know this is broadcasting. Remember back in the day, I could name certain names, which I won't, and they'd send you the press kit. Yeah. And it had the top 10 questions. I used to punt that thing. I went, and I learned that from Larry King, to be very honest. Larry right. King allegedly never read a book before. I said, I'll read a little bit. I don't need your 10 questions. That's nice. I want to listen. And with the first question that I ask and you're responding, I want to say, huh. Is there, and that was Larry. Was there a follow-up to that to go deeper? So I think Larry was, he did something there where he really listened. He didn't have his seven points uh, and, and a poem or seven points to go through and force his material. He listened and drew, and, and he would draw people's hearts out. And the other thing I think that he did so much, wrestling again, as we said earlier, with the text. What does it mean to not do Because some people were biblical counselors is what they called themselves. And sometimes, to be very honest, some of them I found were kind of mean. They were just almost wacky with the Bible or mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And he was always saying, I want to bring you to the text, and I want to bring the text with you, that great intersection, in a very organic, natural way. Yeah. Uh, Larry also handled the criticism well. I mean, there's always been sort of a spotlight on uh, counselors. Yeah. And you know this well. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But mm -hmm. he handled it so well and so, with such grace and wisdom. I, I always appreciated that about Larry. Yeah, I think he knew that if you were going to be out in the arena, if you were going to be on the platform, my goodness, if you were going to write a book, this is pre, way before Al Gore invented the internet, right? Way back there. <laughs> right. He knew that if you were going to be writing that, you would be out there. And you were going to be in a bit of a fishbowl. And Larry also knew something else. And, and he, uh, he lived this and modeled this so well. He literally knew that as he wrote a book, matter of fact, he wrote this to his mom and dad. Ken, his son, just shared this. He wrote to his mom and book in one of Larry's, probably his real best known book is called Inside Out. Mm -hmm. And in, in that book, he wrote to the front, uh, to his parents in the book, he, Larry wrote and he said, Basically, even as I have finished this book, I think there's like some good stuff in it. He said, I feel like it's already outdated. Mm. That's what he wrote as he signed it to his parents. So Larry, again, knew that he would write this, and he gave himself permission in one to two books later to be tweaking it and moving it a little bit different. He had a whole transition, remember, started with this book he had called Connecting, where some people thought he committed professional suicide. That's what one expert said, because he was sounded like he was walking away from counseling and we don't need that. We need elders, not experts, pastors, not uh, pastors, not professionals, ministers, not marketers. And people are like, Larry, you've trained all these counselors. He knew what he was doing, but he knew, and he took a real beating on that in many ways. We'll continue to honor the ministry of the late Dr. Larry Crabb with Jim Cress coming up in the second half of First Person. And there are so many stories of God at work through the Far East Broadcasting Company. We just had to find a way to tell more. Well, you know, Wayne, hearing all these testimonies has absolutely changed my life. And I want to use a podcast to be able to go deeper with some of the real stories that I get to see as the gospel's going out all around the world. And these stories will change your life, too. So listen to the new weekly podcast until all have heard from FEBC. 
Listen at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. Or go to febc.org. My guest is Jim Kress, a licensed professional counselor. Jim is uh, living and practicing in North Carolina. Actually, you're all over the place, aren't you, Jim? I I know you're very active in the American (laughs) Association of Christian Counselors. For those who don't know, what is the uh, American Association of Christian Counselors? There's uh, several thousand, and what Dr. Tim Clinton, who's the president, he had his vision. He wanted to have an organization, and it, it's it's worked out this way. Let me tell you, where you go to a conference, like the World Conference they do every two years, and there are 7,000 people that come. It's bigger than most, set, quote, secular counseling organizations. 7,000 people will come through where you and I have been many times, Gaylord Opryland Hotel in Nashville. And he, but there are everything from people with no degrees, lay people, lay counselors, to pastors, anyone on pastoral staff, parachurch or paralocal church ministries, and then your professional counselors at, at all levels of degrees. He wants everyone to come in and trying to really bridge the gap between the professional counseling movement and the local church. So that's what AACC does. Again, Larry was the spiritual director of that organization for a number of years. We're thanking the Lord today for the life of Dr. Larry Crabb, who was promoted, I'd like to say, to heaven back in February, and Jim Crest knew Larry well and is here to talk with us about his life today. Tell us about Larry's family. Larry, uh, this is a story he's told so many times, and it always brought laughter. Uh, he, of course, his bride of well over 50 years, they were able to, to have uh, that anniversary beyond 50 years, his wife, Rachel. And I, I will tell you about this, having been around them a lot uh, back in the day, especially they are so different in many, many ways. Aren't they really? Oh, very much where Larry and his depth. Now, Larry knew he played Elvis. He would do that, had an Elvis outfit. <laughs> yeah. He knew how to have fun and just be a normal guy. Uh, I'd forgotten Rachel that. Could all, Thanks for bringing that oh, up. Oh, yes. No question. And he, he, this is true. When he brought in for a, it was a gathering they did, private gathering. I think it was a birthday party. He brought, they paid to have a, a professional Elvis impersonator came in. By the time this thing was over, the Elvis impersonator they paid was sitting down while Larry was up doing Elvis as good as that guy did and almost better than Elvis himself. He was really good at it. But Larry and Rachel, they just were, were, were different in, in, in so many ways and what a great compliment. And then um, he has the story that he told so many times that he met Rachel uh, when he was, I think it was 10 or 12. I can't remember. And he always told the story, but he was not allowed to start dating her at that young age. Why? Because she was already going steady with Carl. I'll never forget the name, Carl. Everybody would laugh, but man, they started as like boyfriend and girlfriend in their young teens in a Plymouth brother and background, and then to go and date and then finally be married young and to be walking journeying literally a lifetime together, Mm -hmm. two sons, Kep, their oldest son, who has had the vision, and Larry blessed him and kind of put the mantle on this just to uh, develop Larger Story, largerstory.com, where it's going to have, it already has a bunch of interviews with me and Larry back in the day, some of the things we did, and a lot of other Larry Crab audio and video, they begin to get in earnest, very, uh, a lot of, of interviews, both audio and video before Larry died, and so that, um, uh, as Larry died, they didn't want to have the, the the reality that people would say, who's this guy? You know, I was at uh, not name dropping. Trust me here. Uh, you may have been there. I can't remember Wayne, but in 20, was it 16 when Billy Graham died? I went to his funeral and you know, all just what a, what a glorious week and day. And I remember that it was out in the news that so many, I don't know the stat young people, they didn't know who Billy Graham was. Hmm. I put that to Larry 
that I think without his son, Kep, and he has a son, Ken, too, and then daughters-in-law and grandchildren, if Kep did not carry on this, where all of this Larry Crabb video and audio and the books were there, Larry wrote two books before he died that are not yet published. Oh, they really? will be published. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Two books. He was writing feverishly. Um, then the legacy, that, that'd be a name a ton of people would no longer hear. So Kep's uh, doing that legacy. And one more little trivia note, to his dying day, Larry, I can still see the blue, uh, blue legal pad. Larry never typed one word, think of that, Wayne, on a computer. Yeah, I remember him telling me that. Legal that pads, He just didn't all use a computer. Never. He did. He did about four, five, six times. And they're out there on, on YouTube. People can see them where he did videos, Zoom videos, where he was there teaching, either teaching the Bible, which, by the way, was his favorite thing. Mm-hmm. One of his favorite statements was, take your Bibles this morning. And but so, you know, his legacy will live on, kept his sons keeping that alive that way. And hopefully a new generation of people will get to know the depths, which I think transcends time. Larry was a bit of a Gandalf, I think. Yeah, right. I agree with that. Uh, We will put a link to the larger story on our program notes page at firstpersoninterview.com so our listeners can find it there. Uh, Larry said so many, you know, such wise things as Gandalf would. Uh, for instance, it's about time that we admit our inadequacies cultural, the, and the cultural lie that we all have the answers, even believers that we have all the answers. Uh, he wanted yeah. us to face that truth. He did not want what David Wells, the theologian, called a recipe theology. You know, this plus this equals that. And he said to many, and he said to me personally one time, I said, Larry, shared this with another broadcaster not long ago. I said, I was at times thinking, I grew up listening to Christian radio at a station you actually worked at, WBEC, and thinking if I could just be in radio one day. Then I got on radio and things progressed, ended up hosting some national shows or co-hosting, and my inadequacy was like, how in the world is this kid from Ohio, (laughs) from near Dayton, Ohio, how do I end up on radio? And then you get to be a therapist one day, and I'm like, oh man, how did I? And Larry said, what are you struggling with? And I said, I feel inadequate. Now, a lot of people would never say this. You just hinted at it. He said, well, embrace your inadequacy. Just embrace it. And like, well, that's a thought I hadn't had. He said, yeah, why are you running from it? So whatever was going on in your internal world, he would say, don't run from it. Be ashamed of it. Move into it and, and face it. Since Adam and Eve on down Genesis 3, we've been covering our inadequacies with fig leaves and hiding from ourselves, God and each other. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's so true. Hmm. He was diagnosed with cancer at least once that I know of, and maybe other times mm-hmm. as well, and, and uh, was in remission. But how did he handle being ill? I got. I, I have a couple of stories. One quickly. He was in Denver, Colorado at the time I was with him, and he had one of those. It was actually several times he beat death, literally. I guess in God's sovereign economy, he didn't. But to the human eye, he beat death, and the doctor said it doesn't look good in this cancer diagnosis. That's probably uh, 16, 20 years ago. And I'll never forget, he looked out the second floor of this hospital in Denver, and this was after the doctor said, uh, newsflash, you're going to beat this. You will not die from this. We thought you would. Like, what? <laughs> Stuff around his pancreas especially. And that's usually not a good sign. Right. And he looked out the window, and he said, and I was just sad, looking out over the skyline of, of Denver, and he was, I said, why would you be sad? He said, because I was ready to go to heaven. Oh. He was not suicidal. No. He just was ready and longed for heaven so much. And then about four or five years ago, another cancer diagnosis. In the end, it was diabetes and leukemia. And he had run his race and decided it was time for no heroic measures and time to go home. But he had longed for heaven. I never knew anybody that longed for heaven like he did. Mm. And he meant it. it. Mm. Mm. 
Well, Jim, I know he was such a, a good friend and a mentor to you. Uh, talk about the importance of mentors in our life. I always think of Titus chapter 2, Wayne. The older women can be there to mentor the younger and the older men to mentor the younger as well. By the way, statistically, most men, here we go, do not really need counseling in the therapeutic sense. They need mentoring and coaching. Someone and to show them the way, that, huh? To show them the way, and often one of the best ways to do that is through counseling. Never, Larry never stopped truly training counselors, although he had shifted to his school of spiritual direction. The mentoring is important. Is this what you said eloquently? Is someone to show the way, who's walked the path, who's been knocked down, as Teddy Roosevelt talked about so well in The Man in the Arena. His face is marred with blood and sweat and dust. And in the end, it doesn't matter whether he succeeds or whether he fails, he does either one by what? Daring greatly. And so there's the sense of someone saying, I've walked this path with you. It's biblical, as you know. And Larry, really, that was his, that was his, when he was at his best of over coffee, he'd given up his professional counseling office at one point and never went back to it. And he would sit in Panera Bread or somewhere. He loved old coffee houses <laughs> and sit, but it was mentoring. I thought that's what he's doing. He's just mentoring people. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jim, thank you for this, uh, this memory of Larry Crabb. Mm-hmm. And we thank the Lord for Larry's life. And yes. while we regret that he's no longer here on earth with us, we rejoice that he's with the Lord. Just imagine mm-hmm. what he's uh, experiencing, yeah. what he longed for yeah. uh, and wrote so eloquently about. Uh, just quickly before we leave, uh, if, if someone's life is just not going the way they think mm-hmm. it should or they, they know something's wrong, when do they know when to get professional help or maybe get help for a member of their family that is struggling? When, how do we know when it's time? Well, I think it's just like we do often in the medical world. It's kind of a step-up process. You start with a good friend. Most counseling across the board is done between friends. You Statistically, far more. Most people don't go to counseling. And then to go certainly to a pastor of a good church, someone you can trust and say, here's where I'm struggling. The step up there is most good pastors have someone in their city who's a professional counselor or two or three or four that they can refer them to. And many pastors, I went to Dallas Seminary and we knew there, if you weren't in the counseling program, you weren't really trained to do that much counseling. If it's depression or some people are struggling with anxiety or some other things, it's a level to say you may need more professional help there of someone who has the time, the bandwidth. So it's that knowing when to refer piece. And if you talk with a person and say, I feel like this is above my pay grade, or I don't think it's being helpful. Let us not hopefully stereotype or be afraid of professional counseling to get people the help they need. And they don't have to stay in it forever either, but just at least for a while to go work on some of the deeper issues. Well, many thanks to Jim Crest for joining us to celebrate the life of Dr. Larry Crabb, who is now safely home in a place he longed to be, heaven. We'll have links to more about Dr. Crabb and the ministry called Larger Story, which his sons now maintain at firstpersoninterview.com. Bringing you these weekly interviews is made possible by the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company. Why? Because the stories of lives changed by Christ are celebrated by all of us. And FEBC wants you to rejoice at the stories of people turning to Christ wherever FEBC's programs are heard. On the website febc.org, you'll find inspiring stories of people in far corners of the world listening to FEBC and giving their lives to the Lord. Watch the videos at febc.org and listen to the podcast until all have heard. You'll find this and more at the website for the Far East Broadcasting Company, febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to First Person. First Person.